Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper Rollins. Well, welcome. So glad you joined us for this podcast. I am super excited for this opportunity to learn from Dr. Rick Jetter. I love this topic. It is about discovering what our students are thinking about their school experience. So that's kind of a scary thing. There are certainly days that maybe I don't want to know what my learner's thoughts are. There are days I don't want to know my husband's thoughts about what I'm doing. Our expert's going to guide us through this process. Let me tell you three really important things to know about Dr. Rick Jetter. 20 years in education. He was a middle school ELA teacher. He's also taught at an alternative school. In addition, he's a print, he was a principal, assistant superintendent, and a superintendent. He's a prolific writer, including his brand new book, Let Them Speak, which we're going to talk about today. He co-authored with Rebecca Coda. He is a self-described boundary pusher. Rick, you had me at boundary pusher. So first tell us what drew you into, into education? What keeps you passionate every day to want to work for kids? I don't know, Susie. I just want to tell you that um, I'm really honored to be uh, doing this podcast with you. I think you're terrific. Your work is powerful. It's amazing. It's relevant. Um, It's not a bunch of baloney that educators are going to pick up and think like, oh, what's this? Another book? You're doing great work. I'm really, really just honored to be here. Um, Boundary pushing. Yeah. I mean, Rebecca and I uh, met through social media. Uh, a little over a year ago, and we connected in terms of writing our first book together, which was uh, about uh, adversarial conditions in education. And it's for school leaders or teacher leaders. And from there, we decided we were going to form uh, an LLC that had to do only with pushing boundaries on getting rid of the baloney that exists in education. And we're, we're just so honored to uh, now write our second book together in just a year uh, with Dave Burgess Consulting. Dave is, the, is amazing. He's a pirate. Uh, you know, just, oh, this guy's amazing. And his publishing company and his books that come out, including George Kuros and a lot of our friends, pirate friends, um, we do things that others don't do. And we talk about things that other people don't do. And this uh, podcast about student voice, I just can't wait to get into this. Well, I'm, I'm loving what you're telling me. I'm excited just listening to you. That's so your, your, <laughs> your new book, Let Them Speak, um, you talk about the importance of listening to our students, actively going out on what you call their turf, and discovering what's working, what's not working for them at school. You even want to know things that are maybe irritating them. I mean, that sounds kind of risky. Uh, why do you think it matters so much to make this effort to listen to these kids? Yeah, that's a you know that's a great question. There, there's so there's two two things here I want to point out. The first is there are adults, educators who value student input and perceptions and emotions and feelings, and then there are educators who don't, and they say we're the adults, we're the experts. We have master's degrees. We went to school for so long. We learned how to be teachers and school principals and superintendents. And we're in charge of their education and we know what's best for them, right? But the other part is maybe our students know what's best for them. And maybe we should listen to what they're saying about every single thing we're doing in education. So we create human data. And it's like we throw our egos to the side as adults 
and we listen to kids and we listen to them. And Susie, we listen to them about everything. And that's what Let Them Speak is all about. There isn't one issue in our educational system or our classrooms, schools, districts, service councils, you name it. There isn't one issue that they won't have incredible feedback to give us. Well, that's amazing. I, I, I love your new book. I've read it. And, uh, and some of the things that I was drawn to, you had six questions that you present um, that gets, get kids talking. And here are just two examples. And feel free to, to jump in and grab some others. But I, these kind of, kind of resonated with me. One was, what's something that upsets you that we really need to fix? And another was, how do you feel the night before coming to school after a weekend or a holiday? Can you expound on some of the answers you get and maybe talk about some of those questions you have? (laughs) I know. You know, there's such basic questions, right? And, and Rebecca and I, when we write, when we wrote about this, we're not contending that educators are terrible people. It's just the opposite, right? It's that sometimes we just inadvertently do things and we make decisions and we create policies and procedures and rules and structures. And, and sometimes we just don't know what our students think about those things. So what we contend is not treason, right, but a healthy treason. And we call we actually use that term in our book because we overheard another teacher on a playground in, I think it was New Jersey that we, that we had this discussion with a teacher and her students on a playground, like literally on a playground with mulch and swing sets. And we were talking to the kids about a couple issues and this teacher overheard us and said, what are you doing? This is treason. And we said, treason? Hey, we're going to use that. <laughs> it's a healthy treason. And it's, it's getting kids involved in every nook and cranny of what we do. Because if we're going to say we're going to put kids first, we better walk the walk. Well, absolutely. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to get to with you about a little bit about what that looks like. So when I was involved in remedial instruction and I was doing summer programs for all the kids who hadn't passed a class yet, hadn't passed a test yet, hadn't, it was my, you know, it was a tough, tough situation for them. I used little surveys on colorful pieces of paper that were three questions, but I tried to make them funny. I said, tell us about your learning experience today. A, I would, but I can't keep my eyes open long enough to fill out the survey. <laughs> yeah. B, you know, it was pretty good, but I could learn this and C, this is what I needed. And we got so much from those little pieces of paper. They were totally anonymous. Then I did some that said, tell us re- why you're really absent. Okay. I know you turned the note in at yeah. the office. Now tell me why you were really absent. Yeah. You know, yeah. is that the kind of stuff you're talking about or what does it look like? You know, it, it, it looks like, and, and we talk about, Rebecca and I talk about that. It looks like whatever you want it to look like. It can be a discussion with kids on their turf, right? It could be, in a student council lounge, it could be on the playground, it can be in the cafeteria, it can be in the hallways. Or formally, if you want to look at the role of formative assessment with right check-in points with kids, it can be check-in points with not just what's going on with their learning and what they think they know or don't know, but what we're doing, right? What we're doing. Like, hey, what do you think about my lesson today? Can you tell me what you thought about it? Or as a school principal, Hey, listen, we had this assembly that I decided we were going to have at our school. What'd you think about it? 
because if you didn't like it, I'm not going to make decisions in a vacuum anymore. And I'm going to ask you, what do you think you need? So that's really the essence of student voice. And it's not always about surveys that are, are adult created. It's about just getting right down to the grassroots discussions with kids and, and looking them in the eyes and saying, what can we do better to make you feel like a million bucks when you come to our school? Oh, I love that. You're getting me all inspired. So let's talk a little bit about, well, I'm, I'm, I'm feeding, I'm building you up to about to bring you down. So hang on just a second. So here we go. So let's talk about instruction for a minute. I mean, I'm an academic person, man. I'm in World War II and I got to get to Korea. You know, I, I am pushing that pacing guide. I've got so much on my plate. And now I'm listening to this podcast and people are saying, in addition, we need you to stop and discover how your kids are doing, what they're thinking about this. And I'm thinking, I got to get to the Korean War. So yeah. how can this help learning? And, and how do you present that to teachers in terms of time or a process? Well, really, it, so it has to do with where does student voice enter into our planning, our instruction, and our assessment? So it's not so much a matter of uh, interruption or, or creating um, a teacher to be, you know, not deprofessionalized, I should say. It should be more about, hey, kids, we, we, let's take a look at World War II or the Korean War, the Civil War, okay? What is it that we should do for you to maximize your learning about this, right? So it's that proactive student voice that we gather at the onset of even going into what we're going to instruct to get feedback about what kids want and how they want to learn it and, and in what, you know, respects can they learn it and use resources from anywhere from libraries or their smartphone or presentations that they're going to create or a podcast, right? Or a presentation or like, what are they going to do that gets their juices flowing so that we then can cater our instruction to meeting their needs. No, I love it. Now, one of the things when I read your book that I found super fascinating was uh, what you talk about with ha what students revealed about some of the programs in your schools, like the, your, their anti-bullying program. What kinds of things did, did you discover? Because I was kind of surprised about that. Can you share uh, a little bit about that? We, you know what? We, I'll tell you, Susie, we were, Rebecca and I were surprised as well because Right. There is great research and literature out there about upstanders and bystanders and creating an anti-bullying program that will help students to feel safe. Right. But we we uncovered through just discussions with kids, we uncovered that there is a heavy anxiety about anti-bullying programs. So there's two things I want to point at. And, and this this will blow your mind, Susie. But the first thing is students were scared to be upstanders. And there was an incredible anxiety that took place. And sh they shared with us. They said, Rebecca and Rick, you know, we, we want to do what's right, but we're also really scared. And when we see programs come into our school and we're, we're, we're being trained about how to be good citizens, you know, it's really great, but we're also really scared. There's a very high anxiety level. The second thing that the kids pointed out to us that we talked about in our book was that programs didn't seem to work the way that the kids thought and hoped that it would work for them. So if a speaker was brought in to talk about 
how bullying took place in a school or or the speaker himself or herself was at an actual bully in school and they came to provide testimonies. The kids who spoke to us actually saw it as a one-canned, one-stop shop and an isolated incident of an assembly that was very quickly forgotten. And they wish that the monies would have been utilized differently to create deeper programming for the kids in the overall school. So what I'm trying to say is it's, it was the opposite of what we expected the students to share with us about anti-bullying programs. And, and we wrote about that because, listen, there's so many different alternative uh, perceptions. And that's what student voice is going to capture, those alternative perceptions. And, you know, I'm listening to this, and if you hadn't taken that time or made that effort to hear them, that program would have probably continued in the same way. Or, we, yeah, we would have never known. Right, exactly. So, so we would just keep keep going on that. Exactly. One of the things um, I, in reading the book was a, a story that really – uh, I really felt for the teacher because I haven't my own story. We probably all do about that situation. There's a, a teacher in your book, uh, Jonathan, and he showed tremendous courage, in my view, in asking his students for feedback about his instructional style. What did he find out when he did that? Oh, the, you know what? This is a this is a great story, right? So, Jonathan Creswell, um, social studies teacher. He listen, don't get me wrong. He is terrific. He is dynamic, um, dramatic. He he actually he has a classroom that has figurines and and he talks uh, he talks about historical figures in ways that would just blow your mind, right? So he he talked to his students. He said, Hey guys, what what do you think I could do differently to become a better teacher? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty risky thing to do. That's, that's very vulnerable. And it puts yourself right out there, right? It's like you go to your kids and you say, you know, give me an Amazon rating, <laughs> right? Right. So here's what they said. It, it, and we write about this. It's, it, was, it blew our minds. So the kids said, Mr. Creswell, you are terrific. You're, <laughs> you have a talent that is just mind-blowing. The way that you engage us and you, and you reenact <clears throat> and you interpret historical figures and you, you – I mean, they, they go into class and they get a performance from this guy, right? And they learn material and they learn concepts and they learn an awful lot about history. But they said – but they said to us, the kids said to us, and they testified to, to Mr. Creswell, Mr. Creswell, you, you don't have to do that every day. Because if you do it every day, it loses its power. And if, and if we start to think that you're just going to be doing that every day, it actually becomes boring in the long term because that's just what you do every single day. So this guy, right? So this guy, this te- Mr. Creswell, he reflects on this as a teacher and he's like, wow, I never really thought of that. That even the most motivational, powerful lesson that he prepared for and he reenacted and he, right? That it can become boring just because of the repetition of always doing the same thing as a teacher. So 
by the mere fact that he gathered student voice, he created himself with a new identity of not just not changing who he was, right? But changing the repetition of what he did and, and changing it up with different activities so it wasn't always the same. And that that's what student voice can give us, right? It's not treason. It's healthy treason. No, that's wonderful. I want to find him and give him a hug because oh, I was um, – I've told this story, but I had a high schooler who gave me the best feedback of my life, but it hurt me so much at the time that I had to fight back tears. I didn't realize that I'd gotten into this habit where I would go ahead and get them going, do my teach, get them working. And I didn't realize I was interrupting them so much. Like I would say, well, don't forget this. Don't forget that. Remember how we do that? And this high school student looked at me and she said, listen, I can either do what you've asked me to do, or I can stop my work every time you interrupt me. And I just thought, oh, that's brutal. Yeah. That's brutal. But you know what? It made me a better teacher. And I just thought, you thank know what? You. She makes a really valid point. And I adjusted. So I'm, 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 I thank her. And she's probably 50 years old now, but I thank her. Okay. So <laughs> one of the things I was going to talk, oh, before I do anything else, let me tell everybody because I'm going to forget. Rick has so graciously put the most fantastic materials up on my ed expert and they're just open downloads. You just go in, get on the search bar, bar type, type Rick Jetter. It's J E T T E R. And guess what? He just posted something brand new that's called a hundred days of student voice. And it's all these great things, these great resources you can use, like to find out how your kids feel about uh, arrival and dismissal time, how they feel about their agendas, how I feel they feel about their programs. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to use it. So thank you for doing that. Okay. Now, let's talk about barriers because in your book, Let Them Speak, and this is wonderful, and we're all going to try to do this. What are some barriers that we might anticipate? You know, I... Here's the number one issue. Time. Rick, Rebecca, what, you're asking us to ask kids about everything? We don't we don't have time for that. We've got and listen, I oh, I understand about time issues with with <laughs> the daily grind, right? It's like <laughs> sometimes you just don't even feel like you can come up from the water, right? But listen, if we're going to put students first, if we're going to say kids first, I put the kids first, it's students first. We have a students first school. We're all about, if we're going to do that, if we're going to say that, do it. Because that time is well invested to ask kids so that in the long run, right? And with the outcomes of things, we're not going back to the drawing board and saying, Oh, why didn't that work? Or why didn't the kids like that? Or even thinking, well, we didn't even know if the kids liked that or didn't like that because we didn't bother asking them. We are here for customer service. The students, they listen, students are our customers. And I know a lot of people say might say, ah, that's a business model, that's a business mind. No. Our taxpayers pay for our kids to go to school. And if we don't offer them a happy and an incredible experience, the best that we can do, we better give them their money back. So next steps, people are listening to this. They're they're heading into work. They have class tomorrow. They're an administrator going into their building. What are a couple of things that we can just do today or tomorrow to get started on this? 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great question because there is there is no starting point or end point. It's just jump in. Right. So it, let, let's just take it from a classroom teacher's perspective. Um, classroom teacher that goes in, um, carrying out a lesson, thinking about planning for the next day. Well, just ask the kids for a couple of minutes. Hey, what do you think we should do tomorrow? What do you, what do you think we, you would get out of, your, uh, out of the lesson tomorrow? Or what, do, what can we do together to reconstruct an even better lesson that I thought I had planned? Let's take it from a school principal's level. Going to work, okay? Going to the office. Oh, I've got to do. I've got to plan for this. I've got to do this. I've got to take care of that. Well, wait a second. Bring a couple of kids in. Go on their turf. Head for the playground. Head for the cafeteria. Head for. Hey, hey guys. What do you? This you know. I'm I'm kind of planning this for tomorrow uh, or next week. What do you What do you think about this? This is what I want to do. Can you help me to make it better? Take it from a superintendent's level. Okay, they go in and they've got right now the whole district that they have to plan for and prepare for and work for. What can they do to think about getting students involved with a voice that will help to direct them into maybe a new avenue that they haven't thought of, right? So the final thing I want to say about this, Susie, I mean, this is a great question. How can we think and just just supplant in our minds that we're going to gather student voices even on adult issues or what we think are adult issues. Because really, K through 12, pre-K through 12, there isn't one issue that students should be omitted from. And that's a hard thing for some people to digest. I mean, that really is. It's like, well, wait a second. Budget is an adult issue. No, it isn't. It's a student issue. Do we ever talk to our kids about budget? I mean, we don't want to create a, a grim reaper report about all the staff we're cutting to save money, right? But we want to get their feedback about what do we need to sustain? So there is, in, my, in Rebecca, in my mind, there are, there are no issues that should be untouched. And I'll, I'll share a soft one that I use a lot in classrooms and in professional development. I bring little sticky dots and I make a bar graph at the bottom and I say, tell me, these are the four things we talked about. Here are four things we're doing. Make a, put your dot where you agree or disagree. And we just make a little simple bar graph. And I've used that technique so many times and I have found 100% of my students We'll, we'll put a dot up there for me. I mean, that's a starting point, right? But it's just like, oh, look at our bar graph we made. Okay, that worked out for us or that didn't work out. Even in math, we'll say, all right, let's go over number four. You know, that's where I'm seeing the tallest you know, line there. So that's always a safe one to kind of start with. I have so enjoyed talking to you. And let me tell you, this is where I'm thinking. You know, I travel a lot. And every time I get on an airline, they bombard me with feedback forms. Please give us some feedback. If I go to a restaurant, please give us some feedback. If I go to a hotel, they send me three emails. They'll, they'll give me a hundred dollars. They'll enter me in a contest if I just, (laughs) if I just give them some feedback. And then, and then when I go in the, in buildings, I've got to think that way too. Like, 
you're right. It's not a business model. We deal with kids, but in the same way, they are kind of like our clients and customers. And I need to know how this is working for you and, and tell me how this is working. I remember one of my good friends, she's a high school teacher. And she said, well, I do feedback with my kids the last day of the school year. I ask them how I did. And I thought, well, it's a little late. You know what I mean? They're, they're <laughs> yes. good. You know what? I mean? It's a good starting point. Rick, what is your contact? What's your Twitter for everybody so they can find you? Oh, it's really easy. I keep I keep things simple. Um, at Rick Jetter. Okay. Um, and website? Oh, yeah. RickJetter.com. Okay, very good. So I loved visiting with you. If you guys need to reach me, you can get me on Twitter at MyEdExpert. For every educator out there, oh my gosh, thank you for creating possibilities for your students every day, for opening doors for your kids every moment. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Susie. We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our authors' work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert.